This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Today we're going to talk about the ephemeratora. Doesn't that just get you fired up, Dave? Yes, it does. I'm fired up because the word reminds me how short life is. And, you know, instead of doing this podcast this afternoon, we should be actually out fly fishing. Oh, I know. This is a 50-plus degree day in January, and here we are in the recording studio instead of on the river. But, uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, every good fly fisher knows about the ephemeratora, even though they may not recognize the Latin word. Uh, which comes from a Greek word meaning short-lived. The ephemeratora is simply the insect order popularly known as mayflies, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, The brief lives of mayfly adults has been noted by naturalists and encyclopedists such as Aristotle, Pliny the Elder, and classical times. We'll talk about that in a second. But if you're a veteran fly fisher, you're a big fan of mayflies. And if you're new to fly fishing, perhaps you'll learn a thing or two about this common food source of trout. Today we're going to share some insights about mayflies. Now, you don't have to become an entomologist to be a good fly fisher, but knowing some basic facts will make you a better one. Dave, when we talk about mayflies, what are some of the common varieties that fly fishers are trying to imitate? I'm always amazed at how many of the insects are actual variations of mayflies. Yeah. There's blue-winged olives, there's pale morning duns, trichos. You and I have tried to fish those. Yeah, they're, they're so, really tiny. Oh, aren't man, they? they're yeah. tiny, yeah. There's also march browns and green drakes, and, I mean, the list goes on and on and on of yeah. different nuances and types of, of mayflies. Yeah, it really does. So what are some of the basic facts about mayflies that can... Uh, make you a better fly fisher. That's what we're going to talk about today. Where would you start? Well, I think it's important to understand the life cycle of a mayfly. And you know, all but one or two days of a mayfly's 365-day lifespan, all but one is spent underwater. That and, is fascinating, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it really stunning. is. I mean, when you th- and that's where you get the whole idea of ephemera, which means short, brief. You know, yeah. when people talk mm-hmm. about life is short. Yeah, uh, your try life being is, a mayfly. Yeah, try <laughs> being a mayfly. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but I also think it's important as we talk about the different stages, and we'll get into that too, but there are really four basic stages of a mayfly. The nymph uh, stage, the emerger stage, the adult dry, or the what's called the dun stage, and then the spinner stage. Yeah. So let's talk first about this, the nymph phase, and... Mayflies are really broken down into four groups, and once we start getting into this level of detail, I'm like in the weeds, right? It's, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of out, yeah, but they talk right. about swimmers, clingers, crawlers, and burrowers. Yeah. Well, no wonder when you think about it that uh, 85% of a trout's diet comes from beneath the surface. I guess that makes sense. If you've got mayflies that are spending 363 days underwater and then they're only uh living for 24 to 48 hours uh, uh yeah that that makes a lot of sense and that's why fly fishing nymphs is such a 
good thing to learn how to do. We've talked so often about the new fly fisher who starts to learn how to cast, gets out on the stream, has two or three attractor patterns, and is confused why that only works, you know, Mm -hmm. one out of 20 times that he's or she is out on the water. So nymph fishing is really important. Yeah. So what are some of the standard patterns then that nymph patterns that we use that, that really imitate mayflies, whether they're whether they're specific or just more generic. You and I use often the pheasant tail. Yep. The mm-hmm. hare's ear. Right. Which I think are both generic. Yeah, they're both more generic. Mayfly, mayfly patterns. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can get more specific with like a betis nymph or a PMD, pale morning yeah. dun nymph. Mm-hmm. By the way, there's always some confusion, and I'm not going to clear it up in this moment, about the difference between betis and PMDs, or not PMDs, betis and blue-winged olives. And I, my understanding is that a blue-winged olive is a subgroup under betis, but often they're used in the same generic type of mayfly, but I guess they're kind of different. Well, until you get that ironed out, Dave, you're never going to catch many <laughs> fish. <laughs> that's why you and I are going to stick to general fly fishing and hey, not entomology. That's, that's right. That's right. But, but it is fascinating, isn't it? Think about that if, if uh, all but... A couple days of a mayfly's uh, lifespan, the year lifespan, are spent underwater. That that tells you how important uh, fishing nymphs is. All right, so something else that's uh, important for fly fishers to understand is that most mayflies hatch at midday during overcast cool days. Now, technically, mayflies don't hatch. They, they emerge, but... Uh, everybody talks about the hatch, and so I guess it's like talking about the sunrise. Well, technically, right. the sun doesn't rise, but uh, that's what we say. So, uh, yes, we understand mayflies don't hatch. They emerge, but uh, everybody talks about uh, hatches, so we'll, we'll do the same. So, midday during overcast, uh, cool days, what, what does that mean? Yeah, so that's generally between you know 10 and 2 or 11 and 2, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. That's really prime time. Of course, that depends on the wind and the water temperature. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You and I have talked about, they talk about the spinner falls in Michigan. Mm -hmm. That often happens at night, right? So uh, that's the spinner fall Mm -hmm. that happens. And so there's a lot of trips and guided Mm -hmm. trips that happen in the night when some of those mayflies start to, you know, they're actually at the end Mm -hmm. stage and they get just those thousands and thousands of flies that fall. But in terms of the nymph stage, and the emerging stage, they definitely tend to emerge between that on cool, overcast days, you know, between eleven and two p.m. Yeah, all right. So when they when these things are emerging, I mean, what what happens when that that uh, nymph kind of breaks free? It, it emerges, and then when it gets to the surface, what happens then? So the mayfly duns, and that is an adult mayfly that has just emerged, um, they ride the surface until their upright wings are dry and hardened for flight. And so sometimes I think when we're fly fishing, we confuse we can confuse the mayfly done with the mayfly spinner, which is the later stage. Right. And mm-hmm. we may not be catching fish because yeah. of that. Now, that's pretty nuanced. Mm-hmm. Right. But um, mm-hmm. with the mayfly done, the, you know, the ride through the current typically lasts for 10 to 20 feet. 
And obviously, this makes the duns very vulnerable to rising trout. And, mm-hmm. and obviously, when you see trout rising, sometimes fishing the dun is a good option. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, and and they're very vulnerable to your to the imitation that you're presenting. Right. And I've had some at times take, you know, the dun stage imitations, just just sort of standard uh, parachute atoms or parachute blue, bluing olive. When actually they're there's spinners on the surface. And then there's other times where they're pretty selective and only take a spinner. But anyway, in this done stage, when you've got these flies riding the surface, this is when you use a dry fly pattern, either a generic pattern like a parachute atoms or or something more specific like a, a parachute blue wing olive or BWO or an olive sparkle done or a parachute PMD, pale morning done. Uh, those work pretty well. Now, if the rising trout ignore the mayfly duns on the surface, they're feeding on emergers. And as Dave pointed out, that emerger stage is the brief transition between the nymph and the dun stage. Uh, the child becomes an adult when the skin splits. Man, I sound like a biology teacher, don't <laughs> I? Uh, the skin splits kind of along the back of the nymph, and then that winged uh, dun escapes. And wise anglers will put on emerger patterns in these moments. Sometimes that simply means adding a dropper to uh, your dry fly. That, that's all you need to do. And even if they're not hitting the lead fly on the surface, well, that kind of acts like a strike indicator. But that's a, that's a good way to get a fly that's just sitting below the film, which looks like, hey, it's just emerged. Yeah. I, I can't tell you how many times I've put on an emerger well, I can't tell you how many times I've been frustrated when I'm trying to fish something on the surface when I see a blue wing olive hatch happening and catching nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you throw on an emerger and and you start to catch fish. Now, often it's not like they're just slaying it for me, but the emerger often I just catch mm-hmm. fish when I when I'm trying to fish something on the surface and not yeah. catching anything there. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important. I just in general will always when I see a hatch going on, I tend to throw on an emerger as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, just because I'm not as sophisticated to yeah. know the nuances of it all, I just say, okay, if there's a hatch going on, I'm going to fish something on the surface and I'm going to fish an emerger. Yeah. All right. We'll talk about this next stage where you've got. Uh, uh, the duns turning into spinners, they, they mate in the air, the females deposit their eggs, and then Well, then at that point, the females yeah. are spent, and, you know, they fall to the, yeah. to the water. They call them the spinner falls, and, which is another opportunity for trout, you know, to feed and go crazy. Yeah. And so often, you know, last year, I think it was, was it you and Luke that went out and, and fished late evening in, in Michigan for the, was it, were you guys fishing the spinner fall? Was that Col? It was actually Colorado, I think. Well, I think it was. You know, we we were in Michigan, but we were we were during the day. But yeah, later in the day, I think we did see some spinner fall. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I know that on some of those rivers in Michigan, they you know you don't you don't even start the guided trip right. until eight yeah. or nine o'clock at night. Yeah, if you want to catch the big fish. Yeah, exactly. Yep. But right. there's these large spinner falls that happened at dusk mm-hmm. or you know right right at twilight yeah. or even a little bit deeper into the not deeper into the night but right at yeah. twilight so but anglers who see mayflies with these flat wings that look like airplanes as opposed to the wings that are um, sticking up they should switch to a spinner pattern yeah that's really important and i would yeah. recommend you have a couple spinner patterns mm-hmm. for bwos and pmds whatever you you know whatever you have because those when they fall like that you really do need the right 
type of fly to catch yeah. those. Yeah, so what are some popular patterns, Dave? You know, when I was out in Colorado uh, last year and fishing, and I just picked up the H&L variant, which is a great yeah. rough water mm-hmm. fly. It sits really nice and high in the water. To me, it's more of an attractor pattern. Right. And I would not but... even fished it before, but I do know and read up on it that people use the H&L variant as an imitation for the green drake. That makes sense. If you look at it, those, uh, those white wings are... Like an airplane wings, yeah. rather than up like a, like in a V. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got uh, like red or blue quill spinner patterns. That kind of works for a blue wing olive imitation, or, or a ginger quill spinner works for PMDs. I mean, pale morning dun. Yeah, they're they're more of a pale, a lighter color. I just think it depends on where you're fishing. Yeah, it does. Fly shops will know exactly the mayflies in your area. Absolutely. And and know what to fish. Yep. Oh, that's, uh, we can't emphasize that enough. And that's, uh, that's not our default answer because we don't know what we're talking about. Now, it's true that we may not know what we're (laughs) talking about, (laughs) but, uh, you know, there's nobody who knows local waters like the, uh, the men and the women in the fly shop. So uh, make sure you talk to them. All right. So just to review, we've we've got mayflies that start out in the nymph stage. So we're fishing nymphs. There's an emerger stage, and sometimes, uh, I mean, you've got emergers happening at the same time. You've got duns riding the surface. You know, one's one's a minute, you know, behind the other. So. You, you kind of have to figure out what works. So nymph, emerger, done, that's the adult stage. And then after the mating, uh, the spinners or the sometimes they, I've heard them referred to as spent wings, you know, they, they fall to the surface and, and that's what the trout are feeding on. Uh, something else that's, I think it's important to r- remember is that uh, mayflies vary in size and in the time of year they appear. So in the western rivers, and that's what Dave and I are most familiar with, uh, the blue-wing olives generally hatch from mid-March through May. Uh, although there's some blue-wing olive or BWO hatches in September if the conditions are right, uh, pale morning duns, PMDs, are more prominent from May through August. And then seems like BWOs, blue-wing olives, show up in force again in September. And I've had some really good days on the... East Gallatin River in Montana. I, I lived uh, within half a mile of the East Gallatin, and and I remember some September days where it was fantastic uh, fishing for BWOs. Now, the typical sizes are going to range from uh, 14 through 18, but when you're talking about the brown and the green drakes in Henry's Fork of the Snake River, then you're going to get larger, uh, so from uh, size 10 to 12. So again, uh, your your fly shop will tell you what size you need to be using for the uh, river stream that you're going to fish. You know, I remember once when we were fishing in the spring in Montana, fishing the Madison, we were fishing nymphs and, and egg patterns. And right as we were standing in that little, there's a kind of a little channel before the deeper reds that we fish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and And all of a sudden, all around me, there was a blue wing olive hatch and they were sipping right around my legs and it was really a wonderful moment yeah. now <laughs> i think i switched to a bwo pattern never caught a thing but in the moment it was really a great moment but i remember that very distinctly standing in the river all of a sudden 
the BWOs are hatching and and the duns are 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 hitting the surface. That's and, right. And all of a sudden, you know. Yep. And hey, just to be clear, we we did not walk on the reds or the spawning no. reds. We we kind of fished right above them, and uh, so there's just... kind of a little like sandy place that that is about maybe. 10 to 15 feet from the reds yeah mm-hmm. and and you can and you can stand on that and know for sure that you're not standing on the reds right. yeah and but i remember that yeah all of a sudden we had uh, a rising fish right around us in that shallow channel they're they're just yeah feeding on mayflies so anything else dave before we wrap this up that uh would be helpful for fly fishers new fly fishers to know i think the final is that mayflies really do need cold, clean water, and water pollution makes mayflies disappear, which, of course, are an important food source for trout. So when mayflies disappear, so do the trout, and we've talked often about conservation and preserving public lands, and but all the work that TU is doing and backcountry anglers mm-hmm. uh, and all these other organizations that are doing are really really important because their work is you know preserving the ecosystem and also preserving the coldness if you can say it that way some of these streams really need well for mayflies i think it's somewhere around 50 to 54 degrees somewhere Mm -hmm. in there they really need to be cold and when they warm up Mm -hmm. over time mayflies simply can't survive so they become a you know that's a really important thing they demand cold Mm -hmm. clear water it's interesting a couple summers ago the upper madison river in montana was just phenomenal and the reason was uh they were they were working on the dam i think at hebgen lake and uh yeah it's it's dam it's maybe it's over 100 years old i think it was built shortly after uh the the 1900s i'd have to go back and look i mean early in the 1900s and anywhere they're they're just working at it one of the things they did is they they replaced the kind of this this pipe at, at the you know at the bottom a place where they release some of the water well they had that fixed they were working on the top of the dam and so most of the water that they were releasing was from uh, you know underneath and so they're getting that water that's down a long ways and it's colder well, that that just created a, a phenomenal fishing year because wow, you know, down in the 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 valley all the way, you know, from there until uh, you know ran into Annis Lake, that there were you know, the, the mayflies were so prolific that that uh, yeah, fish were feeding more in force, and so yeah, you're right, you can't underestimate uh, the need for cold, clear water. Well, it's time for great stuff from our listeners. David offered this comment on our podcast on the art of making small adjustments on the river. This is what he said. As fly fishers, we have all learned that adjustments are a necessity for success on the stream, be it adjusting your tippet size on clear water under bright blue skies, lengthening your leader for dry fly fishing, or shortening it for nymph and streamer fishing. That's a pretty good rule yeah, of thumb that's reminder, really isn't good. it? Yeah, yeah, that's a good, good, good rule of thumb. He says, then there's the constant changing of flies, size, color, and type. Changing up the retrieve while streamer fishing. Depth and weight while nymph fishing. The list is endless. 
That's what makes fly fishing such a wonderful sport. Always learning and trying new things to outwit a simple fish that most of the time outwits us humans. <laughs> yeah, that about sums it up, doesn't uh, that's it? That's really, really well true. Said. It oh, is that's great. And I have to say, I I have to force myself to do that. I I don't like to work too hard when it comes to tinkering. I, I just wanna catch fish. Catch fish. Yeah. And so sometimes I'm just stubborn, like I don't want to change a pattern or add more weight, but often the more you if, if it's not working, then you fix it, you know, and, and the more tinkering you do, uh, the more chance you have for success. I think the art of it all is how long do you fish what you're fishing until you start tinkering. Yeah, that's really and true. sometimes you just need to go up another run or two and things start to yeah. work, right? Mm-hmm. Other times... That's what I tell myself. Yeah. <laughs> other times you just need to, you need to just, it's not working and move on. Yes, so, absolutely. That's yeah, just the art of it all. That's so. true. Well, that's going to do it for today. If you have any comments about mayflies, please join the conversation by going to twoguysinariver.com and comment on this podcast link. You can find us on all the social platforms, and if you'd like to send us an idea for a podcast, which we welcome, you can email us at stevedave at twoguysinariver.com. That's Steve Dave. It's just, in a sense, one word, our first two names. No well, spaces. Yeah, yeah, no spaces, just our first name, Steve Dave at the numeral two, twoguysinariver.com. Be sure to sign up for our weekly email alert when you hit the site. We want to keep you updated on new episodes, new articles, and much, much more. Also, we really want to thank all of you who have purchased our book, The Fly Fisher's Book of Lists. The book is really like a cliff notes of all the fly fishing hacks and tips we've accumulated through the years. And for those of you who have not yet purchased it, you can find it on Amazon. One last thing, our podcast subscribers have grown significantly over the past year, and that's simply because of you. Many of you have referred the podcast, and we just want to say thank you. That's how we grow. Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing.